You're listening to Hope for Today Church Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining in this virtual space. We believe that as you listen, Jesus will minister to you right where you are. So open up your mind and your heart to what the Word would say to you today. Thank you for joining us. And remember, Jesus is our hope for today. that you're here uh, in the house. There's a lot going on in the world. Um, you know, there's a refreshing happening. And the beautiful thing when things start to happen with a good old algorithm of technology is people start to take notice. Um, you see more things showing up on social media because the algorithms are, are kicking in and people are sharing. Um, and it's great to see that everything that's already been happening is finally being shown on media, like in India and other parts of the world. Uh, it's uh, amazing to see that God's moving um, you know, all over the place. And we know that he's also uh, moving here today. In so many ways, the, the world stage and ministry on the world stage has become a little bit more personal here uh, this afternoon uh, because we have our, our guest... Um, Speaker, a missionary to the Ukraine, uh, Joshua Anderson is with us this afternoon. I know his family, his mom and dad, and and wife and child are in the house, so that's always good uh, when you can have family and friends here today. Uh, if you're watching online, we're going to have some information also of how you can uh, support and get connected um, with Josh and his ministry. But to give him the floor, we want to welcome you, Josh, to come and share. Let's give him a great big welcome if you can. Welcome, Josh. We're looking forward to what you're going to share today. Well, hello, everyone. I think some of you know me. I recognize some faces. Maybe some of you have heard of me. That's okay, too. I'd like to meet you after uh, church, if that's okay. Yes, so my wife and I, we are missionaries from Ukraine. Uh, my wife is Ukrainian, uh, my daughter is half Ukrainian, and so um, I'm sure many of you have heard this saying probably uh, online when you hear Mr. Zelensky, the president of the wonderful nation of Ukraine, he always finishes his addresses with um, this saying in Ukrainian, Slava Ukraini. You've probably heard this, yes? No, maybe not? Okay, so this is a saying that uh, Ukrainians have been saying for a long time. Uh, the, the translation would be, glory to Ukraine. The response to this would be, you would say, Horoyom Slava, which is, and glory to our heroes also. So I would like us to kind of practice this. We're going to be Ukrainian for like the next, I don't know, 10 seconds. I'm going to say, Slava Ukraini, okay? And I would like everyone here, and online too, if you're, if you're watching, you can respond with, Horoyom Slava. So let's practice. Horoyam Slava. I can't hear you. Horoyam Slava. You guys ready or we need to practice one more time? One more time. Horoyam Slava. Ready? Okay. Slava Ukraina. Good job, guys. So, um, probably many of you have seen online, it's been over a year of war in Ukraine devastating consequences of just evil being allowed to be let loose upon another neighboring nation. It's really sad. It's, it's uh, horrible to see the statistics. It's horrible to see what's been happening uh, overseas. But for my wife and I, it's more personal than just something on the news. It's more personal than statistics. 
Uh, for us, it, it's a year of our life that's just been hanging. It, it, it felt like a year ago when we woke up and we saw the news that Russia was um, going to war against Ukraine, that they had started an invasion. We just felt like the floor underneath our feet had dropped and we were hanging on by a nail. Our clothes were hanging, we, were, we weren't falling, but we weren't really standing. Nothing was really safe. It's been 365 days since we left our home. We crossed into Poland a year ago. We left our home in Ukraine a year and a day ago. And we found out that our nation was at war 367 days ago. Many of you probably do know me, but I'm gonna give a brief backstory of who I am and um, why Pastor Andrew said he's a missionary, because you're probably like, yeah, okay, missionary to Ukraine, sure, yeah, Eastern Europe, that's where they need missionaries, right? No, they need missionaries in Africa. No, they need missionaries in Thailand. No, they need missionaries in China. Well, we also need missionaries here in Canada, so if anybody's looking to get involved in missions, you can come and talk to me and my wife, and we'll kind of point you in the right direction, or I'm sure Pastor Andrew can put you to work. All right, so I grew up here in um, Haldeman County. I went to school at Hagersville High School, and I actually know uh, Pastor Andrew and John very well. Um, we went to the same church, Full Gospel Fellowship in Simcoe. We would play video games on Sunday at Andrew and John's house. We'd go paintballing. They'd usually beat me. Sometimes they'd get a couple good shots in, but you know they were pretty good friends. We've known each other for a long time. Um, when I got a little older, I kind of started to feel out. You know, what do you want to do as a young man? You gotta, you gotta know what you're going to do in this life. What is what's your calling? Especially as a Christian, we wanna we like to use that word. What's your calling? And I felt I wanted to be a chef, and so I. I took that path. I went to Niagara College, I studied culinary for two years, um, and through a lot of hard work and study and perfecting my craft, uh, I eventually was offered a chef position at the Argyle Street Grill in Caledonia. And right around the time that I was about to step into that position, because I, I had fulfilled that role as sous chef and I was being offered the opportunity to be a chef, which would be a, like a step up, pay grade, more responsibilities, I felt something conflicting in me. I felt like God was pushing me in a different direction. He was kind of giving me an off-ramp to do something a little bit crazy. I was 26 years old at the time. I was getting ready to move out of my parents' house finally. I know I'm a late bloomer. And we decided, <laughs> and I decided, okay, I, I need to do something big. I'm either gonna take this chef position and move out of my parents' position and that's gonna be my life, but I, had been on this kind of journey with God where he, he had started kind of talking to me and I didn't really know that that was possible before 26, like at 24, I didn't know that God talked to you. And I started understanding that you can communicate with God and he talks back, not just you praying to him, but he prays back, like he talks back to you. And I started feeling this pull, like I need to do something that's not cooking. I need to be crazy. I think I'm supposed to be a missionary. I think I'm supposed to be a missionary in Ukraine. And that's what I did. I just, I just went for it, guys. I packed my bags. I sold my car. Well, I gave my car to my mom, but it's like selling your car. I sold my drum set. I sold everything that I had. And I went to Ukraine for six months to, to work with an organization called YWAM. They stand, it stands for Youth with a Mission. It's an international organization that's dedicated to getting young people into volunteer missions. <laughs> Woo. YWAM, somebody knows it. <laughs> oh, Wesley, yeah. 
Uh, and then I uh, did a program that is kind of like the base level for entry into this organization called DTS, which stands for Discipleship Training School. It was a six-month program where they gave us three months of study, understanding the basics of our faith, and three months to be able to go out and practice it in a different location, in a different country. Really, in six months, they kind of train you to be a missionary. And so I was a missionary. And when I had landed in Ukraine, I had this feeling of, this is my home now. This feeling of, I had a backpack of rocks that was on my back. Not real backpack of rocks, but this metaphorical feeling of, okay, there, there's this heavy weight that I, I am now permitted to put down. This backpack that I can now take off. The searching has ended. I know what my calling is. And so I moved to Ukraine. I thought I was going to be living there for two years. It turned into six. Spoilers. Um, and during that time, I was serving orphans, the homeless, the impoverished. Uh, I was teaching more missionaries to uh, study in DTS. I worked with three schools. And uh, I was traveling all over Ukraine, all over Europe. I've uh, been to Nepal doing one of these outreach programs where we painted a school and we were eating with Hindu people, like families. And you're not supposed to do that if they're Hindus. They're not supposed to invite Christians into your home. But God opened the doors because that's what he does in these, uh, these DTS outreaches. And after that time, I guess I should say during that time, I met my wife. Um, I fell in love with her instantly. If you, she's the one holding the baby back there. You can see she's very beautiful and shy. Uh, I, liked, I loved her the first moment I saw her. It took her about three years to come around, but you know. So if there's any single people in here, perseverance. That's, that's my word of encouragement to you. So I moved to Ternopil and we got married and we were serving together with YWAM. Remember, YWAM is youth with a mission. And we planned to start a family. And like I said, all of that happened over the course of six years. We had hopes and dreams and plans. And 2022, that was going to be our year. COVID was ending. Things were starting to cruise. Things were on the up and up. And Mr. Putin just had to go and ruin it. He had different plans for the world, didn't he? 2022 wasn't a very fun year for my wife and I. I'm sure many of you, 2022 wasn't a very fun year either, and I'm sorry about that. That's just the nature of war, I think. So yeah, for our point of view, February 24th, we've, I've given you a background of who I was. Life was going good. Things were great. There were some grumblings that war might happen. We had a meeting. We were told by our, um, our base leaders, have a backup plan, know where you're going, maybe have a bag packed. Yeah, 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 okay. The Russians do this every year. They've been doing this for eight years. They stack up on the border. They shoot some cannons across the, the border. They make a big huff puff, then they go home. That's what they've been doing for eight years. The whole six years I was living there, that was the rotation. Oh no, Russia's gonna attack. Oh, it's March. That's, that's what we expected was gonna happen this time. That's not what happened this time. February 24th, we awake. And these, these words will forever be in my brain. My wife woke up, she checked her phone, she gasped. I said, what's wrong? And the words, he did it, were the first things out of her mouth. I knew what that was. I knew what the it was, I knew what the he was, and I knew what the, the did it was. I, I understood in those three words the weight of what had just happened. Russia had invaded Ukraine. That shocked us. And I think a lot of the, the, the problem, a lot of people will ask the question, why? That's kind of the big question, right? Like, why did they do it? Why did they make that decision? What, why? Well, there's a, a history behind this conflict that goes back a lot farther than maybe the news is kind of letting on. 
And so I'd like to share a little bit of my unique perspective of understanding Ukrainian-Russian uh, history from a Ukrainian point of view, so it's bias, of course, but understanding how far back these tensions go. Russia has been uh, trying to invade and take over Ukraine for about 400 years. This started in about the 1700s, the, and it, it began usually primarily with the language being outlawed. Ukrainians were not allowed to speak Ukrainian in Ukraine. Their textbooks, they were not permitted. Their uh, poets were either executed or sent off to Siberia. And so there was this real attempt to destroy the Ukrainian national uh, identity. People were killed. Um, a recent example of this would be in the 1920s, the Soviets uh, created a famine. I'm sure you've been hearing about this now because all the nations of the world have been recognizing it, the Holodomor. It was this man-made famine where Ukraine was growing uh, the bulk of the wheat for the Soviet Union, taking it and sending it to the rest of the Soviet Union and intentionally killing up to 20 million Ukrainians in the course of a year or two. Horrible, horrible, horrible genocide against the Ukrainian people. Nobody talked about it until now because Russia is again invading. Ukraine was never allowed to be its own country. Unlike Poland or Romania or the Baltic states, which were recognized as something, Russia has always said that they created Ukraine. But you have to ask the question, how can the Russians create Ukraine when the capital of Ukraine, Kiev, is 200 years older than Moscow? How does that make sense? Just by basic math, the Russians couldn't have created the Ukrainian people. Also, I'm going to pick on uh, Pastor Andrew here a little bit, and I, but I know he can take it. He's got the character for it. He said, I was a missionary to the Ukraine. That is a Soviet and Russian term used against Ukraine as a nation to keep them down. Because let me ask you a question. Would you like it if someone said, oh, you're from the Canada? Oh, you're from the Mexico? Oh, you're from the South Africa? It's this idea of taking a nation and turning it into a region, downgrading their status. That's propaganda, that's misinformation. It's Ukraine. So please, in the future, this isn't like a anything, just one simple thing you can do to support Ukrainians is don't say the Ukraine, say Ukraine. They are a nation, they are recognized by the UN, they have earned it. Sorry, I'm getting passionate, Pastor Andrew, I apologize. So, 1991, USSR falls. Thank God the Iron Curtain is gone, but Russia remains. And Russia would plague Ukraine for the next 30 years of their existence. It wasn't really until 2004 that Ukraine had what was called the Orange Revolution. They deposed the pro-Russian president, Yanukovych. Somehow he came back in 2008, and what he started to do was he started to cut ties with Europe and strengthen ties with Russia, even though the general population of Ukraine didn't want that. This was, it's been proven now that he was actually on the payroll of Putin and this was Putin's master plan to soften up the nation of Ukraine in order to be invaded sometime in the future. So Russia starts to divide Ukraine through the, the use of language. The, well, the eastern part of Ukraine speaks Ukrainian and the western part parts or reverse. The eastern part speaks Russian and the western part speaks Ukrainian, so the eastern part is Russian, so you don't need it anymore, right? That was their reasoning. That, oh, you speak Russian, you must be Russian. It'd be like if the, the Americans saying, well, you speak English, so you must just be American. Well, I mean, people have been doing that for years, but we live in a civilized time now, don't we, don't we darn it? 
It doesn't work that way anymore. So Russians started to use this propaganda. They started to try and divide people through uh, language. And in 2014, Ukraine had another revolution, which was called the, um, the Maidan Revolution. And this one deposed uh, Yanukovych, the, this pro-Russian president, completely. Like, he was forced to leave, to the point that the military actually turned on him and made a public announcement, you have until 8 a.m. to leave the country and abdicate your throne. If you do not do this, we will be coming to your palace and we will be arresting you. And he fled at 5.30 in the morning, and he took 18% of the country's GDP with him. Right after that, Russia annexed Crimea, and then they started a proxy war in the Donetsk and Lugansk region, sending weapons and funding rebels to start this destabilization in the western part, or the eastern part of the, the Ukrainian country side. And so for many Ukrainians, that's when the war began. When Crimea was annexed, that's when the war started. So for my wife, this war has been going on for seven, eight years. How many years, babe? Eight years. For her, this war is eight years long. And she can say that because her father fought in the eastern part for three years as a soldier. Well, he went as a chaplain, and then seeing um, he, he was unable to remain a chaplain, and he stepped into the role of the soldier. And he fought for three years for the independence of his country. He's still fighting on the front lines now. So if you, if you feel moved to pray for the soldiers, you can pray for uh, my father-in-law. His name is uh, Alexander Borisov. Or you can just say Sasha. Pray I pray for Nastya's dad, Sasha. That would be very helpful because he's still in rotation fighting and defending the nation. So in 2022, Russia signs this document recognizing these rebel nations that they, they supplied weapons to and are pretty much their puppets as an independent individual nations even though they don't really have the ability to claim the territory through military might because the rebels didn't even really have control of anything without the Russian backing them. Russia then used this document a couple days later and they invaded Ukraine, changing this proxy war into a total war between rival nations. And so that brings us to the 24th. Knowing all that information, this isn't like a, a new thing for Ukrainians. They knew it was coming eventually, they just weren't sure when. So for us, it kind of shocks, shocks us as in the West, like why would Russia do that? For Ukrainians, they're like, they've been doing this forever. Now's just our chance to punch the bully in the nose. Because that's unfortunately what Russia seems to be historically, is a bully. So, my wife and I, were pregnant, right? Like I said, we were trying to start our family. We're pregnant, and we decide we need to leave Ukraine and we need to have the baby in Canada. And we were hoping that we would be able to come back uh, after things kind of calmed down a little bit. And so, um, during this time, I really felt like God said to me, you need to go. Because I didn't want to go. My first response as a missionary was like, I'm staying, I'm putting my foot down, I'll carry boxes, I don't care, I, I, will, I will volunteer as a medic. Like, I'm not going. And I, and I swear, I felt this, like, it was almost like God kind of just touched me on the shoulder. He didn't push hard, it was just, he was there. And I felt him say, you're going to be a dad. You need to think about that first. And I, and I had this feeling of like, Okay, and even though I think it was the hardest decision my wife and I ever made, to see the nation you love so deeply in such agony and pain and such need and being put on the bench, man, that was humbling. Because like, I'd been doing missions for six years, I was thinking I'm a pretty cool missionary guy. And when the nation is in need, I feel God saying, nah, you're on the bench. Other people have got this. You want to talk about being humbled this year. <sighs> that was just the start of it, guys. <laughs> we started our journey 
we decided to leave. And we had to sit 32 hours on the Polish border in order to get out of Ukraine because that many people were waiting to leave. When we arrived on the border, we were six kilometers from the border. We heard reports 30 or 40 minutes after we got there that the line was 42 kilometers long. Some people were waiting in the line for a week. There was no gas, there was no food. It was winter. It was very difficult times. But it also speaks to the hospitality and amazing spirit of the Ukrainians because people in the local villages were walking up and down the cars handing out soup and bread, saying, please eat, please have something. We'd say, no, 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 there's no groceries for you. They said, we have much, we, have, we can make more soup, it's okay, have some. Also, when we crossed into Poland, the, Poles, uh, the Polish people, man, they were like amazing. If anybody is of Polish descent, I just wanna say to you, thank you. Like a, a personal thank you, because the Polish people have stood by Ukraine like I have never seen in my entire life. I've never seen two nations so united in this ability to just like serve and love one another. And so if you are Polish descent, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. They, they hosted us, they took care of us. We went through this uh, season in Poland that I like to call my visa woes, where it took us six weeks to get a visa for my wife to come to Canada. And it wasn't that, you, that Canada wasn't doing things amazingly quickly, they did them amazingly quickly, as anybody that's ever done immigration or a visa before understands. It takes three months sometimes to get a visa to come to Canada. There was just so many Ukrainians that wanted to go to Canada. The lineup, when we got there, we were some of the first people to apply for visas and the lineup was like five or 600 people in front of us waiting to just apply. It was just madness. There was a million people that had overnight transitioned from Ukraine into Poland. It was just crazy, guys. But Canada figured it all out and God provided a way because he called us to leave. He told us to go and he provided. And that's something I'd like to to point out today because you know you don't want to talk about all the bad you need to you need to weave in the good right and so what I would encourage you with today is that God our God the God that we serve that we were just singing about he is a God of provision and faithfulness I I can testify to that this year not just once God bringing us here but also that God has been providing a way for us to go back to Ukraine because we will be going back to Ukraine April 11th of this year we just got here. We just got our house settled. I just found a job. My wife found a, uh, a doctor. We had our baby. Everything was provided for us here. And then he finally says, okay, now you can go back to the mission field. He opened the door for us. And we are scared, of course, but we are faithful because we can see that he provided a way for us to get here and he will be providing us a way to get back home. Because our God is a God of provision and faithfulness. He provided a flight, a visa, a job, a car, an apartment, a doctor, healthcare, a second job when my first job started to drop because Port Dover doesn't work in the winter. And a healthy baby who's in the back right now. She's saying, amen, daddy, amen. Now he's calling us back to Ukraine. And he has provided an apartment already. We have an apartment waiting for us. I received money from a church that was able to pay for two months of the apartment. So I don't even have to pay for the apartment when I get there. It's waiting for me. We have supporters who are, are calling us up and saying, yeah, we're going to support you. New people, they're saying, yeah, we've got your back. We want to go with you. We believe that that's the direction God's calling you. We still have the flight because I don't know why we had this wisdom, but we bought a round trip ticket. <laughs> so we have a flight back. 
Do you know that the price to fly to Europe has tripled since we left? We paid $1,300 to fly round trip from Hungary to here. It is now $3,000 for the three of us to fly to Ukraine. He miraculously provided a flight. I didn't even know that he was doing that. His provision was so far in advance that he was planning for us to return before we had even left. That's the God that we serve, guys. We have vision. We didn't have vision when we left Ukraine. We were burnt out, honestly, because there were a lot of conflicts and problems that were happening in our YWAM base. We were ready to stop being missionaries. We come here for six months, have a baby, and we're like, let's be DTS directors. Let's host teams when they come back. Let's go give out food to the people that need it in Ukraine. You know, like one day, let's start a retreat center. Why not? Why not do that? Let's just have the faith that God's going to provide. He's provided for the last year. He got us out of the war zone. Now he's calling us back. Why not do it? Let's have the faith to do that. We have a purpose. We know that we're missionaries. We have been reaffirmed in that call. And we never lost that feeling of that sense of home. Because... We have longed for Ukraine since the day we crossed the border into Poland. 365 days of longing to go home. Our YWAM base is currently training new missionaries. They want to rebuild this nation, both physically and spiritually. And we want to be a part of that. We want to help with the humanitarian crisis and provide food, warm clothes in the short term. Our YWAM base in... Um, in Ternopil, currently is the distribution center of all of uh, the resources coming in from Poland and Romania. $10,000 worth of food and equipment a day are coming through the YWAM base. There's four staff that stayed. Four. We are two more pairs of hands. We're going to go and help them because they need the help. Ukraine needs the help. Yeah. Sorry, again, probably taking up too much time, Pastor Andrew. I'm almost done. <laughs> we want to train new missionaries and help rebuild Ukraine. We're going to become the DTS directors, like I talked about. That's our vision. We're going to train a new generation of young people that are willing to do like we did and say, yes, we will go. We believe that our God is a God of, I need to remember what I told you guys, a God of provision and faithfulness. <laughs> Amen, right? My wife, the, the faith steps haven't stopped with just going back to Ukraine. We believe we're going to buy a car. We've been saving for a car. We, we don't make enough money here to save for a car, and yet we've saved $6,000 towards that car. Praise God, he is good. We are believing he is going to provide the vehicle for us. We want to host missionaries at the end of this and direct them to the highest need. So if any of you have a desire to go to Ukraine when the fighting is done, you talk to Andrew, he will connect you to me. You can come. You can lay, stay at our apartment. You can come and help us. We welcome you. We invite you to please come and help the nation of Ukraine. My wife, my beautiful, amazing, passionate, faith-filled wife, she's decided that she wants to become a Christian counselor. She's going to take a step of faith, and she's been accepted to go to a school in Switzerland where she's going to train in the foundations of Christian ministry. She's already been accepted. We need $6,000 to go to that school. On top of the car, on top of the apartment, on top of everything else, Somebody the other day gave us $1,000 towards it. We're one-sixth of the way there, and the school doesn't start till July. Provision and faithfulness. 
I, I, I want to continue my Bible studying. Uh, uh, I want to continue in the Bible study vein of YWAM. Um, I've studied uh, inductive Bible study for the, a, a three-month period. I want to finish that. I want to get my degree in biblical studies, and I want to teach the nation of Ukraine how to study the Bible, how to see the, the faithfulness and the truth of like what God is doing um, and, and the, 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 the truth that is uh, in that book that can be applied to our lives daily. I want to bring that to the nation of Ukraine. We want to help Ukraine heal. Yeah. And I hope today, this is where I'm going to finish because I've taken up too much time and I apologize. I hope today that me sharing this story has helped you see a new side of uh, God's character. This is our God. We were singing about these, these beautiful things of he's the way maker. He, uh, he breaks the chains. It's, it's the truth. It's not just words that we, we sing out and it sounds nice. It's, it's the, the truth of who he is. He is faithful, right? Has he been faithful this year to all of you? He's been faithful to me. Has he provided for you this year? He's provided for me. Do you trust him? That's where the pause comes, right? Do you trust him? I have news for you. He is trustworthy. So pray for us. Pray for Ukraine. And I'm going to finish how Mr. Zelensky always does. I will finish and I will say, Slava Ukraini. Thank you. You know, it's, um, it's always good to hear um, someone's testimony that has the uh, advantage of knowing what's going on on the ground. And, you know, you turn on the news and you, you hear and see different things, but it always becomes more personal when you can hear someone's firsthand experience. And what's great about what Josh is sharing is it's, it's more than social justice. Like social justice is important. You hear what he said, they're gonna get involved at the base in Chernobyl. Did I say it right, Chernobyl? Okay, thank God, I got that right. <laughs> Chernobyl. And they're gonna have you know, boots on the ground so speaking, helping and, and giving aid. But the most important thing is you're, they're witnessing and they're sharing Christ. That is the most important thing that we know the Bible says none of us is guaranteed tomorrow. But we know that we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We know where we're going. Um, and so I know there's different ways you can support Josh and his family. You can see right on the screen, or if you're watching online, uh, you can go to the website that you see there. It's important that there's a code that they can use, right, Josh? Yeah, but they'll be... You'll, you'll be uh, requested to fill out information. There's lots of different options to fill out the information. It's not as confusing as it'll look when you originally get there. The most important thing is, I'm Josh Anderson, hi, and you need my code AJ21. Okay, and so you have, you've heard the, the desires, you've heard the prayer needs. Uh, you know, funds are coming in for the car. Already two months worth provided for the apartment, you know, um, for schooling and such for both of you to continue. That's, uh, that's wonderful to hear. I, you know, I know that's something that uh, as a church we, we'll be considering what we can do um, as we're working through things. But there's something that as Josh was sharing, um, there's a part in scripture rightfully entitled in Psalm 35, Josh. You may have heard this before. It's actually entitled in my Bible, Prayer of Victory. And this is, young, this is David. He says, oppose my opponents, Lord. Fight those who fight me. 
take your shields, large and small, and come to my aid. Let those who intend to take my life be disgraced and humiliated. Let those who plan to harm me be turned back and ashamed. Let them be like chaff in the wind with the angel of the Lord driving them away. Let their way be dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. They hide their net from me without cause. They dig a pit for me without cause. Let ruin come on me unexpectedly and let the net that he hid ensnare him, let him fall into it to his ruin. Then I will rejoice in the Lord. I will delight in his deliverance. Can't help but think, Russia didn't think the war would be where it is today. They thought it was gonna be over in a matter of days. And so there's been people praying. It's been over a year since we had a prayer vigil for Ukraine. And the prayers were, Lord, prevail in Ukraine. Russia thinks it's gonna be quick and they're gonna absorb Ukraine, but it didn't happen. And this very part of scripture, although speaking to David and the people of Israel, we know because we're grafting the vine to the people of God, their story is our story. It's the story of all Ukrainian people, and also Josh, you, you've, you've, you, you've, you know, fell in love with Ukraine, and you're still Canadian, and yet you're there, and you're plugging in your hands and that on, on the ground, and you're working in people's lives, and you're fulfilling in ways this part of Scripture. When people are in despair, you're going to be handing out food, you're going to be bringing hope. And so we want to pray, I, actually, if, um, Nastia, right? Or Anastasia. Anast- oh, sorry. Did I say it wrong? No, no, that's... Okay, come on up. <laughs> come on up. Uh, we want to pray for you guys. We want to pray for you guys. And, um, and I know our, our leaders here are, are playing. So Isaiah, come on up, brother. And I want to invite people who are watching online also and people in the house, if you could stretch your hands forward um, to them. And if you're watching online, just to join us in prayer. Uh, and I'm actually going to ask Isaiah to lead us uh, in prayer. Here's the microphone, Isaiah. And we want to join with you in, in believing what God's called you to, what he's, what he's put on your heart. And I have to say, it's really, really cool to see what you've been doing from the days back of, of playing Xbox in the basement. And Josh, I, I don't know if he heard, said this part, but Josh was in um, my first youth ministry at Full Gospel, which is actually really cool to see. So blessings to you and what you're doing. Okay. Isaiah, would you pray for us? Of course. Yeah, let's just reach out our hands and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much uh, for these, these beautiful missionaries that the call of God is just so evident um, on their lives. God, I pray that you would continue to just be this chain breaker in their life, to be this way maker. For God, you are their provider. You are Jehovah Jireh. No matter what stands in their way, God, you will clear those mountains. You will always lead them to those green pastures and those still waters, God. You will fight for them on their behalf because you are so faithful. You are just so fruitful, God, and your word never returns void. So when God says go, he will will finance it. He will plan it out as he has already done with the plane ticket. That's amazing. So hallelujah, God, We we give you so much praise and honor and glory. And God, I thank you that the schooling will already be paid for. We believe that, God, you are financing the schooling, God, uh, for this counseling job. Thank you so much. There's already a car provided, God. God, you already have the list of everything that you need. So we just believe in faith that, God, that these things will be paid for in advance. And, Lord, 
we just expect, God, just so much fruit and more helping hands to partner along with the Andersons as they are just uh, doing your work. Almighty God, thank you for your protection over their lives. Thank you that your angels, they guard them in all of their ways. As it says in Psalms, Psalm 91, so God, we proclaim that as they, as they proclaim out to you, God, that God, you are their fortress. You are our, our strong tower. You are our shield, our God in whom we trust. And the Lord God will say, because, because they say that I love you, I will protect them. I will guard them under the shadow of my wings. So Lord, we, we just, we thank you. We thank you that they can feast at the table that you prepare in the midst of the presence of their enemies. And they will partake in your greatness and ascend from glory to glory. We just partner with you, God. We just thank you so much, Holy Spirit, that that the fruit of the Spirit is so evident, that their self-control, their patience, God. (laughs) Andrew being, or sorry, uh, Joshua being patient for three years. That's That's just so funny, that's amazing. Um, I'm taking notes myself, but God, thank you. (laughs) Thank you, Lord, for joy, for your peace, for your shalom, shalom over them. So God, um, yeah, just bless them as they go, as they prepare to go. And we believe that uh, you will prepare the way. For God, they will prepare the way of the Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You know, mom and dad, you must be so proud, huh? Yeah. So good to have you today. Josh, you're so welcome. Thank you for taking the time to be with us today. We're going to invite you to join us in a time of worship as we celebrate what God is doing all over the world and what he's doing in Ukraine. And just think the the lives um, that they're impacting. One of the things we said several weeks ago, whose hand are you holding? Who, who are you speaking to today? What life are you pouring into? Because you could very well be the person who plants the seed of perhaps waters for that person to be in heaven. And one day we're going to see everyone just like a great party in heaven. Can you imagine what it's going to be like? And be like, whoa, I didn't even know you were here. This is awesome. Just think of the amount of people because of your testimony, testimonies like Josh and, and so forth. So I want to invite you to stand if you're able. Right where we are, we're going to come to a time of worship. And the song is so fitting. we got to speak the name of Jesus everywhere that we go. Amen? Right on, Brad. Every dark addiction starts to break. 